0: Up bar stool We're going to have a lot of fun today I say that every week, but it's true Got my friend Andrew Foxwell Going to join me And, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of Facebook stuff Don't get me wrong, we're going to talk about the News Feed update Talking about Organic Reach Supposedly being down again Talking about um, uh, Facebook Ads Bubble People are talking about But I think where I have a lot of fun Is just talking about Know how we run our business, how we build our business, how we organize, uh, taking vacations, traveling, all that stuff. Um, We're gonna talk about that too. So, really excited about this one. Now, if you're ever confused, if you're listening to this one on on your phone or wherever, um, this we're doing a little experiment with this one. I'm also gonna convert it into video, so um, this is gonna show up on YouTube. But I also plan on uploading it to Facebook. Assuming that works out. We're always trying things out, man. I was experimenting. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We'll see what happens. Pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. John here from johnloomer.com and John Loomer Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the social media podcast where each week I invite you to the virtual pub. And we get drunk on social media. So this week, bringing in my friend, the man. We're actually re-recording because I completely screwed it up yesterday. Andrew Foxwell, how you doing, Andrew? Hey, I'm doing great, John. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. So we're mixing things up. People who are listening on the podcast or pubcast or whatever, you don't notice anything different other than I'm about to talk about something weird about video. Uh, But we're trying this on video as well. Just a little experiment. So this is gonna appear on on YouTube. Uh, we're also gonna put it. I think I might just upload it to Facebook too. I don't know if anyone's gonna watch like 30 minutes of video nice. on Facebook, but we'll, we'll see. We'll have to
1: see. It's an experiment. Yeah, it's an
0: experiment, but it's gonna be unedited, unlike the podcast where we have all kinds of kinds of uh, sound effects and cool stuff. And I see just how uh, really not that polished this whole setup is, and it's raw. It's raw. So raw. So, So yeah, what what are you drinking, my man? You know how it works. Well, I tell you, I've got a uh,
1: Nola Blondale from New Orleans for my trip down there. Uh, Just just a solid one. Going to crack that right now. Nice. Uh, Get that going. And uh, yeah, yesterday when I we drank at 10 a.m., I had a spotted cow, which is everybody loves. But
0: you know that's okay. We're going to represent Nola right now and all the great people there. It's funny because I was hoping you're going to bring the spotted cow because I got a Minnesota beer today. Oh, what do you have there? So this is a uh, Wonder Stuff, Bauhaus Wonder Bauhaus Wonder Stuff. Well, Wonder Stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, this comes from my brother because he lives in Minneapolis. So right. s- the whole story on the the cow, even though you're not drinking one, is that some bar tried to sell it illegally in, in Minnesota, and you can only sell it in Wisconsin. And amateur move, amateur move. So I thought that was appropriate that bringing the, the Minnesota beer and then you didn't follow through with the spy cow and whatever. Totally. <laughs> so cheers to you, my man. Cheers. See, this is all weird. So now we can, we, we're we not going to have like these built in transitions. No, we actually have to have true cheers and all right, hold on, I got to drink this stuff. I like it. It's raw. Unedited. <laughs> it's like WWF raw. It's exactly like that. I was going to say that. It's just so like similar. that. Yeah. So, similar. so. Um, just saw you recently, Andrew, uh, out in San Diego. And um, man, it's been it's been interesting. So like we, we have similar businesses and that we start our own thing, social media, marketing, Facebook marketing, whatever. Um, and so we we're, we're, we're very mobile. Um, I don't really travel much. I don't know about you. but I, I, you, you spent some time out there. you've been you've been wandering around a little bit. I mean, what, what's your take on, I guess, travel and, and vacations and like when you're running your own business, well, what are your feelings on, on if that's okay? I, I mean, I
1: think it's huge for Headspace, right? I think those of us that own our own business, we there's kind of two schools of people. There's one of them that's people that are want to automate and they want to do very little, uh, which is good. I mean, that could be a successful business. I think a lot of the people I know are people like us. It's, you're invested. You get up. Uh, and you want to work on it. And what actually traveling does is it's good for headspace, and it teaches me and my wife as my business partner to work smarter. You know, we kind of work when it makes sense. It work. We work in, in pockets of time very intensely, um, and traveling does that. Instead of just being at home and working from the home office and kind of being around, it allows you to be more concentrated. Um, so that's a, that's a big part of it for me. But I think it kind of goes to... Uh, we were talking about with the quote from Chris Brogan yesterday. Right. Uh, which I thought was really cool. And he said in his email last week, about a week ago, that you don't take time off, you earn that time off. I think mm. that's a concept that more of us as small business owners can really start to, start to think about
0: and consider. Absolutely. So you spent some time in San Diego, New Orleans. Where all were you?
1: So, well, we were in San Diego last month, saw some clients out there, got to see you, went to Social Media Marketing yeah. World. Got to see our people out there, which is awesome, uh, and talk about Facebook advertising. Uh, and then we did some hiking out there. We did some kayaking, did some surfing. So it was pretty neat. I mean, when you build a client base that's uh, all over the country, you can always visit somebody somewhere. Right. And to have that one-on-one um, face-to-face meetings is, is huge because a lot of us run these online businesses where this is the way we communicate. So to be able to be there in person is really special.
0: Right. And and so really what you can do is combine a vacation and and work. And I mean, I know what I found, like when we're in San Diego and part of it's because I'm I'm just a chronic procrastinator and I didn't get all this done before we went to San Diego. But um, I I knew, though, that I want to spend a lot of that time hanging out with my family. I got three boys and my wife and my wife was obviously with us as well. And uh, so we were hitting the beach and doing all this stuff. But. I didn't want to be working all day, obviously. So I would set aside like this hour, maybe two hours to just bust out a whole bunch of work and focus as opposed to like yeah. what I typically do in a normal day in my office, whereas I, I absolutely work, but distractions everywhere. And it's kind of, you know, right. spread out over the day. So I honestly think find that I get the most work done on like a little vacation or work or whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't know about totally. you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's an intense short spurts. You know, I think one thing that's really changed my workflow is um, I now check my email max of uh, six times a day. So how do you do uh, that? So how do you do it? It's, it's hard. You have to pull away. You have to get out of the window. And then if you use all six of those before noon, you kind of like, okay, well, can't really look. How, at it how do you hard. measure I, it? How do you, how do you yeah. measure it? I just keep track in my head. Like, okay, I looked at it once, Looked at its twice. Like, cause for us, a lot of us have that on constantly. And that's yeah. a that's a distraction, and I found that it makes me a lot more effective, especially when I'm traveling. Like I'll go through and say, okay, what are the things that have to happen right now, mm-hmm. um, based on this, and, the, and then I'll say, all right, fine, you know. And actually, I saw somebody the other day that had somebody, something in their email signature that said, due to you know. To increase my productivity, I'm only going to be checking email at 11, 1, and 4, or something like that. Um, and he said it's really, really ramped up, his productivity. So it's interesting to try to, uh, traveling amplifies that. So how do you yeah. kind of make that a little bit better? But yeah, it's an interesting challenge as a small business owner to to work smarter. So you're still checking your phone? I, I'm just trying to understand how you really restrict that. No, you just, it's not really, no. Um Man. So it's it email across the board. Now, like, I, I mean, would I, have I been, a, let's be honest, like, have I been 100% right on this? Like, no, I'm, I have mm-hmm. not been. And so do I break the rule? Like, yeah. But but it, it, having that in my mind as a rule makes it more conscious for me. So I'd say I hit that probably about 60%, 70% of the time. When I'm on vacation, it's a lot easier because there's other things that I'm doing. When I'm at home and I feel like I feel a pull, I want to do that I want to look at it then it's, that's where it becomes really challenging. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I've tried really hard to do that type of thing in the past where I like, okay, these, these certain times of day is when I do X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I do compartmentalize in, in a way in that, yeah, s- the specific day of the week is when um, I do my webinars, when I do my podcasts, when I do my meetings usually, when I do my one-on-ones. Um, but I'm yet to really get full control over when I do things like that. Checking my email, like all the distracting, like Twitter, Facebook stuff that goes on throughout the day that slows me down. or checking Zendesk, all the the customer service stuff. Totally. Yeah, it's it's a rabbit hole, man. It really is. It is.
1: It is. I agree. But, you know, it's kind of listing out those priorities uh, and making sure that just like with the Facebook ad build, you have a plan and so going about it that way knowing that there's going to be distractions so how do you try to go through that that's it's tough but yeah i mean getting back to the original idea that you as a small business owner you deserve that time off you know and it's not necessarily time off it's just as important and in some cases taking time away from work is is just as important as the work itself for especially yeah. maybe even for you to do work better to be you know it's 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 it equating them time off as being different than work, I think is is tough. So what if those things are actually on the same playing field?
0: No, absolutely. You know, I always struggle with uh, the entrepreneur where I feel like there are a lot of us who boast and brag and maybe, you know, lie a little bit about how much we work. Um, And like, oh, I'm 24 seven, two o'clock in the morning, Saturdays, Sundays, holidays, it doesn't matter. I'm working and it's like something to be proud of. like. That's not really why I'm doing this. I mean, now, now don't get me wrong. There's some people who, um, especially like single people, where that this is their passion and they're entirely invested in this. And this is kind of like if they're not doing it, then that's not fun. I mean, this is entirely where all their fun and enjoyment in life comes from is just working. So they don't even consider it work. And I get that. I don't. I think for both of us, I mean, I know why I do this so I can spend more time with family and relax and watch the kids' baseball games and coach games and do all that kind of stuff. Right. I enjoy right. what I do. Don't get me wrong. But if it, if it comes down to am I going to be sitting here in front of a computer or hanging out with kids out there and throwing the ball around, it's not a tough decision. <laughs> right. Yeah, everybody's got their
1: priorities in different places. But I think that the thing that, to me, uh, gets, gets harder to listen to is wearing that I'm busy as a badge of honor, yeah. um, and you know it's that the, the, the actually what you should be bragging about is 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 that you were more efficient and you gave exactly. more time to really focus on the other stuff. So it's interesting. I think we generally do that a lot as entrepreneurs, and uh, and being busy is good. I mean, obviously for business, being busy is good. Yeah. Um, but what if what if your day was filled and you were actually instead of bragging, it was yeah, I did some really satisfying stuff today. You know, like. That's that's another interesting measure that you don't yeah. hear a lot of people saying. Yeah,
0: so, really. I, I can say it, right now, working is probably more enjoyable than watching Brewer games. <laughs> <It's> but, uh, <laughs> it is not easy, my friend. Right now, <laughs> two and twelve, a little a little scary. But because normally I'd <laughs> be like, oh, I'm gonna set aside part of my days, I'm gonna stop working, I'm gonna go watch the game. Like oh, this is just painful. But anyway, that's that's a little Brilliant. little sidetrack. Uh, but no, I, 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 you know, everybody does it differently, and I'm always curious. I how you do because I know that you're, you're kind of a really structured, organized guy. Um, for me, the way I really manage it is by saying no a lot. Um, because you know, when we have our team meetings, I mean, I I start pulling my hair out as soon as we start talking about one more thing we add to you know, the agenda that we're going to, you know, oh, we we should, because JR always has these big ideas, you know, we should partner with this (laughs) and create that and this and that travel here and there. And like, let's just do this one thing this week and this one thing. And that's the way, that's how I handle it. But I, you know, we weren't really planning on, on talking a whole lot about this, but I'm curious. I mean, how do you organize yourself throughout a week and a month. So you don't get overwhelmed with all this stuff.
1: You know, I, the, the thing to me is there's, there's and I'm, I'm glad that I come across as organized because I'm not very <laughs> organized, but the uh, like, there's, there's a couple things that have been really big. One is thinking about and taking time to um, understand what are the things that I'm going to be, that I need to do every day. Uh, and what are the repeatable things that I, yeah. that I have to do? And maybe they're not every day, but maybe they're every week. So client reporting, optimizing accounts, um, and and when can I schedule those in my day so that they're going to allow me to be efficient but not interfere with the rest of the things I'm doing, and how can I make them easier? Um, so uh, for me, that was pre you know, pre-building all the reports uh, in the and then and then having them built in um, Google Docs in, in a secure way and sharing them with clients, uh, and having so all I have to do is copy it, paste it and then look at it and, t- and give my notes on it that'll leave the call. So like that is something that used to take a long time, but because I've been optimizing every day throughout the week, I have the bullets of what I'm already going to talk about, of what I've done. Um, so kind of making a list of all those things that I know I need to do, uh, that I need to get done on a regular basis, and then figuring out how I can make them easier. Uh, one that I just did that's it's so easy and simple, and I know you do this for one-on-ones, but with new clients is a is a new client questionnaire. Yeah. I for some reason have never done this, uh, and i so it's handled via email a lot. But now I have an eleven question thing that is going to give me a really good idea of what these people are, you know, like where their priorities are, what their KPIs are, what yeah. would move the needle right away, and then that's a lot easier. So that's something that I think I don't know why it took me a long time to do that, uh, but it's now you know that's an automation point. So not really automation but it makes it easier. Yeah, absolutely. So I think those are the that's that's the big like how I structure it. And then in terms of structuring the day, it's it's also I block out time for work, which is something mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't do but I learned that from an old boss of mine that he would block out time uh, yeah. ch- large chunks of time, 2 or 3 hours of, of, at a time and in the middle of the day. And and that's you know because you keep saying yes, you're never going to be able to do that. So right. that's been a big for me as well. So Blocking out time to actually get stuff done.
0: And I think the the most important time to block out is for meetings. I say that because Mm -hmm. there's nothing like a meeting to screw up your plans for a day. So (laughs) if you... Seriously. So if you say that I only have meetings on Friday, which I tried to say, but then we end up having our our call on on Monday. But um, basically, that's one exception. If you only have calls on Friday then you're not interrupting those blocks that you've created for yourself, you know, throughout the week. Um, So I I think it's really important to, yeah, make a list of what are the things you need to do every week. And let's try to keep them together in a a certain part of the day, certain part of the week. So you're not like, okay... Every day, you know, Mondays from ten to t- ten to twelve, I have this meeting, these meetings, and Tuesday from three to four, of these meetings, and at least for right. me, that's really hard. And then you like you start throwing meetings in there, a spur of the moment and whatnot, as opposed to this is the time I've set aside. I think where I where I've been most successful with this because I haven't been really su- successful with some of this uh, uh, blocking out, but it's it's uh, doing interviews for people. So JR schedules them for me, and people reach through reach out through the site and say, "Hey, can I have an interview?" And he'll say, "Oh, we've got this opening at ten o'clock on Friday, the you know whatever of, of May, because that's all that's the only time I'm doing it every single Friday, and I right. feel like doing that. That is the one thing I feel like I feel most organized with, because I don't have people like, oh, I can't do that time. Can you do Wednesday? And I'm like, No, I right. can't.
1: As You know, and as it relates specifically to our business, you know, in in doing Facebook, um, you know, I manage right now, we have 11 clients. uh, And of those, so there's probably, there are 11 decent sized clients. So of those, there's probably, um, there's six, I think, that are full management. So Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a lot of us are in that that business, uh, people listening to this podcast. And so for me, it's having a repeatable optimization process. What are the things yeah. I'm going to look at every day? Um, I'm going to look at the CPMS. I'm going to look at the day-over-day CPCs, the CPWCs. Uh, I'm going to look at the conversions. Um, I'm going to, you know, and and like, what are everybody has a different process to go about this. But then, you know, what's the relevant score? Is there an opportunity to introduce new creative? And so that, like. The list of things you go down every day is the same, um, and that has been huge because then I have it's a it's a more predictable process. And obviously, Facebook ads are sort of the, you can't put it into a machine and make it work. It, there's obviously adjustments need to be made all the time, but there's there are tenets to success of which I'm reviewing now. So the optimization process, which used to take me on a daily basis like two or three hours, is now an hour. I can go through seven things. And that and that might mean that I need to follow up and build new stuff later that day, um, or refresh creative or whatever. Um, and if that does, then I can block that out later in the day. So it's getting a read and then planning that out. Uh, and I think that is, from Facebook Ads perspective, is uh, it's it's harder because a lot of times it's I, people's patterns of checking their ads are more schizophrenic. I found from people I've spoken with before. So they're like, okay, well, we have a call with them tomorrow. Let's look at how it's been doing the last three days. When in
0: reality, if you've been looking at it every day, some of that burden's know. going to be lifted off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the same time, you can't micromanage. You're like, oh, it sucks today. Time to make some big changes. No. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you know based on right. what you've been watching it the last few days, like this is a trend, this is a problem. Time to exactly. make a Exactly. And, yeah.
1: and you should, every, every trend on Facebook, you know, on the advertising side, I always look for like a 48-hour trend. Um, and you
0: can usually I like the, I like a seven, 7 day too you like 7 day i mean it
1: depends I, it depends, what you're paying
0: it depends on what you're paying depends on what you
1: it depends on what you're doing too yeah like if i see a trend downward and it's not that dramatic then or you know upward and it's not super dramatic i'm not going to in 2 days it's not going to give enough of a read but if i see
0: a day over day a major shift then obviously that's yeah. going to be
1: something to keep an eye on
0: yeah it, it my my main point with you know what what's your budget what are you spending because um, it's it's all right. all about sample size, right? So you could have a great sample size actually sometimes in in twenty four hour period, even though Facebook's shifting stuff. Um, but like most of the stuff I'm looking at, for like my own stuff, I, I'm not spending a ton these days. Uh, I'm probably spending for like a, a single campaign. Most of my campaigns are going at twenty dollars a day or something. So I'm spending sure. like this is actually kind of a down period for how much I'm I'm spending right now. So I'm, sure. I'm still I'm spending like overall probably a. Um, a couple thousand, two, two to three thousand a month. But um, that's because of that, you know, I do pre- kind of prefer the seven day window in that case because, like, that, it, it's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much the direction you're going with performance yep. if you look at seven days. Right, right As right. opposed to like this, because I'll get these random one day performances all the time. We're like, ah, what was that? Like, good and bad, you know, but it's not sustainable. So, Anyway, I, we weren't right. really planning on talking about that, but all this stuff. But I'm glad we did because I think uh, the audience, the pubcasters, what are the people who listen to a the pubcast they called? Pubcastees. Yeah, the, pub, the pubcasters, <laughs> the castites, the pubcastites. Something no, I don't that? know. The, the no, they're just our drinking buddies. Is the, what the, they the, are the drunks. Yeah, they're the little <laughs> dudes going to the bar. And they keep trying to start fights because you know. They're, they've been drinking, drinking too much social media marketing. Well,
1: we met, we met some pubcasters <laughs> in uh, in San Diego, and, yeah. uh, hey, everybody was super friendly. So those of you listening, yeah. thank you for being compliment including the woman from Australia who told me that she thought I was a lot older. <laughs> I was like, thanks, I guess. Yeah. I'm at, like, least,
0: I'm not- at least like 29. I'm
1: like, come on, in the Facebook ads world, I'm a geezer. Yeah. You know, come-
0: <sighs> Yeah, I don't even want to talk about age. So, g- good talk. Uh, no, let's let's shift gears a little bit. This is where, okay. like, within the audio version, Dan's going to throw in a big old cheers, but we're going to do a cheers anyway. Here we go. Cheers. I need another beer, really. I'm running out already. Um, we actually talked about different stuff yesterday, but there's a couple things that came up that I want to make sure we covered that a lot of sure. people are talking about. Um Every, whenever Facebook makes an algorithm change, people gravitate to it and make their assumptions about what it means and how it's going to kill brands and this and that. So there were like three different stories that happened at once that I think are somewhat related and I want to talk about. So first okay. of all, yes, the news, news feed update uh, and pretty much the, the headline was that I've been seeing, I think, from TechCrunch Tech and uh, was it HubSpot. Um, and then there was social times. Um, essentially that Facebook's going uh, to prefer showing stuff to you from your friends as opposed to brands that you like. Just really not what this update is about. But you want to give us a quick uh, overview of what you see from this update?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, so in just reading the the thing, you know, so for those of you that don't, know this a lot of all the news comes from the media room at facebook um and it's a great way to follow along on stuff to get it like straight from the source of what facebook's saying um whenever you read a story with a short you know flashy headline that's good God, i hate headlines
0: so, i hate them that's why i love boring <laughs> headlines because like you know it's just <laughs> if it's a boring headline you know it's the, the truth as opposed to something that's just like off the wall but anyway
1: yeah, so the, so the big ones that are from the, that article, that, and this is what Facebook specifically says, okay, so uh, I'm quoting now. Uh, the first update is improving the experience for people who don't have a lot of content to see. Right. Uh, so that's
0: first one. And, uh, and, and, if, you know, and specifically what that is, because uh, pre- they used to be that um, if there was one person or one source that was posting a lot of stuff um, that you follow that you your friend or whatever, Facebook would limit how much of that you saw from them. But basically they're saying if you you don't have very many friends or pages you like in the first place, uh, and basically you're not going to get any content if they do that, they're relaxing that rule really is what's happening.
1: Right. And that should be actually pretty good. I would yeah, think I would think so. Friends. It, and it's, not, it's not bad, right? The, the second update was um, it tries to ensure, quote, that content posted directly by the friends you care about uh, will be higher up in the newsfeed. Um, So that, you know, one could interpret that in the articles. And they did. They did interpret that. They did interpret that, that that, that brand stuff's going to be pushed down. The the sentence to me that, that actually should be reassuring to those of us, it says, quote, if you like to read news or interact with posts from pages you care about, you will still see that content in the newsfeed. So yeah. so this actually may be a um, this this may signal that you would need to interact with things more um, and you need, you know, but but if you, let me just say this. If you don't if you see updates from pages uh, and you don't interact with them, you don't like it, you don't comment or share on it. And you just and no, you click through everything. no click,
0: no click, period. I think that's the key. Like everybody, no ass- everybody assumes it means comment, like share. I'm not someone who comments, likes and shares a lot. But no, no, but it, clicking say, any kind say, of click means something.
1: Right, exactly. And let, let's, so let's say you never do any of that, not, not click yeah. any of that. Like, how are they supposed to know that you actually like that? Right. They don't. Other, other than you spending time looking at the post, which is probably part of it mm-hmm. uh, algorithmically that they're measuring. But it's way more powerful if you actually click through. And, so and, and that, again,
0: that, can, that can mean clicking on a photo, can mean clicking to read the comments. It's not the publicly viewable stuff only. It's the stuff right. that Facebook sees, but no one else sees that you're doing, right?
1: Right, and so I think that that actually, if you, per, you know, it goes back to the the long game. If you produce content that people care about, that they want to see, um, that is valuable to them, they'll, they'll interact with that, yeah. and over time, you'll see more of that. Right. So this is just saying people missed out on stuff from friends, and they don't want to do that. Yeah, that's all. Which awesome. actually, I'm, that's the core of what the social network is. It's right. like finding out news from people you really care about. Yep. So to it, me, that that doesn't say that it's forcing the people. Not no, no,
0: no. and, and the final bit of that was that there are going to be fewer stories about your friend liked or commented on this post. Um, it, not, yeah, you know, and, I, I and I'm glad about that.
1: I, I I don't think that I don't really care.
0: Like I sometimes mean, sometimes I care. Yeah, I mean, I'm Facebook Facebook says people don't care. I'm I that, that's one I don't complete. I'm not completely convinced on. Because I think, really? yeah, because I think that, look, if I didn't see a post um, when it was posted, when it was shared, and then someone, one of my friends goes back back in later and comments on it, that may pull me in. So I, 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 th- I actually think that is pretty helpful. Now, again, it doesn't mean they're completely removing it. Um, I right. fa- End of the day. Facebook is going to look at what happens as a result of this change, because with any of these changes, they're not out to screw brands, they're not out to whatever, whatever. They need people to care more about their news feed, so they spend more time on the news feed, so they don't leave, so that they're more valuable to advertisers. If, if if Facebook doesn't make it the best user experience possible, they'll continue to make changes or, or else suffer and fall away. The
1: one I would say, and I agree with that, obviously. I mean, that's huge. Uh, the, the, the part that I don't think has been valuable to a lot of us, maybe, is when somebody comments on a really old photo and it resurfaces that. Um, that, to me, is like... I, you, I've been seeing a lot of that where people will go back and they'll comment on something from three years ago and then it resurfaces that uh, and there's someone sometimes it's not I'm not that close to right. um, so that's kind of a and I'll give I give feedback on that saying hey I just don't find this that interesting um, yeah. and but some people may really like that so yeah overall I think these changes are, are, are a continuation of what we know and what we see which is that brands to be able to be seen you have to produce content and stuff that really people care about and are going to click on and go through um sharing posts from another person's page and and not offering any comment but just sharing the link isn't going to cut it anymore right
0: um
1: you know and that's and i'm not trying to be like a jerk about this you are a jerk that just doesn't (laughs) provide value right yeah and so uh, i think that's a, that's a continuation of things, and there shouldn't be a lot of surprises. Uh, and it sh- they should adapt and change. Uh, the, the newsfeed is one of the most is I would argue the most important place on the web, um, and I, and so, you know, if that that should adapt and change with the way that users are interacting with it.
0: You bet, you bet. So that that that. Headline is gonna get a lot of attention right now, just that the algorithm's changing again. And my least favorite reaction to that is okay, so this this is what brands need to do. They need to change XY nah, I hate that. But anyway. Um that led me to this other post is closely related. This other, I guess, research by LocalWise. Um and this was put out by one of my favorite resources. What used to be inside Facebook and and uh, all Facebook, they merged them together and put them into, was it Adweek? Uh, um, uh, Social Times, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yep. LocalWise put out this report that uh, organic reach is down to 2.6%. And that sounds awful, right? Uh, in and of itself, 2.6% sounds terrible. And then you start, and that's the headline that, Organic reach is down and everybody's freaking out. Then you start looking at the actual study, and it just looks like they they basically surveyed mainly the big dogs because this is just a survey, it's not like overall. If you have fewer than a thousand fans, those that they surveyed, 22.8 percent that's still pretty darn good organic reach per post. 50,000, 100,000 for some reason they skipped from 1,000 to 50,000. (laughs) <laughs> uh, maybe, they, maybe there's nobody involved in that. Maybe it was just one page <laughs> was under 1,000. I don't know. Uh, 50,000, 100,000 was 9.62%. 500,000, a million was 7.47%. So far, that's all consistent with everything we've been seeing. Uh, and then you get to, okay, you got more than a million fans. Screw you, 2.7, 2.2, 2.2, 2.27%. Uh, which makes it, on an average, 2.6%. How many of us have more than a million fans, first of all?
1: Right. I mean, and and this, so the interesting thing about this is that, and this is, all, a lot of people go to the Power Hitters Club uh, and they talk about how do I talk about this John to my
0: slash PHC. Okay, go ahead.
1: And they'll, <laughs> and they'll say, how do I talk about this to my clients? So, so in any of these questions, I challenge all of you that are listening to this break that down okay break that question down so first of all thinking about if you think about a million fans okay how what's the DNA of how you got those fans there okay so did you did you in the earlier days do a lot of fan acquisition or did maybe the page not new but did the page did the page do a lot of contests um, did the page do a lot of advertising that maybe was trying to get cheaper likes Um, If the answer is no to all three of those, um, you know, then then I would be very surprised, right? So it's kind of like, out of those, the concept is, what if people saw your stuff that actually wanted to see your stuff? And when you have a million fans, that's just, that's not an irrelevant thing. But you look at where a lot of the average page size is probably like, I don't know, 1,500, let's say. And out of the average page size, 20% reach, that's actually really good. You know, right. A quarter of your people want to be there. If you think of all of your customers in a room, and all there's 1,500 of them that really love you. You got them all in a room, and you stood up and said, I have this interesting article to read. How many of them would actually care? If a quarter of them came up to you, you'd be flipping out.
0: But here's the deal. It's something really important. important point here. Typically a uh, uh, maybe 30% of your audience is only going to be in the room at the time that, that you actually said it. When say are they online? Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's sad. what we forget. It's not that all 100% of them are in that room when you say that. Most of mm-hmm. them aren't there and they might come back and say did you hear what Andrew said and that he's drunk and crazy and he screamed everybody and said this. But um so so that's that's the first thing but um so I th- I think that that kind of stuff is so misleading that we first of all assume that um, you know when we look at those numbers, that it applies to you, but 2.6 percent really just is applying to those big, big dogs and whatever. But the other thing, and it actually leads to another story that came out, and I wish I had the name of who put this out, but sorry, um, again came from uh, Social Times that brands posting 30 are posting 31% more often year over year in order to combat reach. Okay, so I think these are really closely connected and it's important to understand what's happening here. And this is actually something I've recommended in the past. Like you want to reach more people, post more frequently. That doesn't mean you're going to reach more people on a post-by-post basis though. And the side effect of this, the negative side effect, is if everybody is posting more frequently, which is what's happening, clearly, 31% year over year, um, as we know, there's an algorithm, there's only so much space. So more and more stuff is going to get filtered out. So like with the big dogs, first of all, yeah, you, you got a couple things working against them. The big dogs, you got a million, over a million fans. Um, a lot of casual people like your page. They're like, Oh right. yeah, no, I know Nike. I like Nike. I'm not going to engage with you. I don't care about anything you have to say. Or you've had a page for st- 5 years, 6 years, whatever it is. You get so many people who are like, "Yeah, I'm really into this right now. CrossFit. Awesome." And like, ah, screwed CrossFit a month later, you know? But you still like the page. But that's what ha- what happens when you have these old established pages that have lots of casual fans. It's like I, a lot of I think outsiders are like, "Oh, that's that's just Facebook trying to stick it to the the guys with the deep pockets, trying to get them to spend more money." But there's a reason why they have such low reach. It's that they've probably been around for a long time. A lot of people originally liked their page, don't care anymore. And a lot of people just casually like their page, this and that. Um, so and I feel like I'm going on tangents here, but that's a big contributor to that. And then you got people con- uh, posting multiple times per day, much more than they used to, which pollutes the news feed. Um, well, you know, I don't say pollutes, but there's more in the news feed that has to be filtered out so then on a post by post basis, it's just natural organic reach will go down.
1: Right. And I, I, you know, I'll say one thing about that. And then a second piece about strategy. So on that topic, if you have a lot of fans, then it utilize the interest targeting opportunity you have on organic Mm. posts. Um, That's true. That's a, that's something that you have the opportunity to do and you can show it to people that are maybe more relevant. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, As You know, at a risk of, like, not being Facebook fanboys here. Oh, you're a fanboy. Uh, The (laughs) fanboy, fanboy, (laughs) fanboy. Let me just take my elevator downstairs. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. Uh, But really what it comes down to for me is uh, there's no – it's no doubt. We are in an age where Facebook organically is going to be hard to have – it's going to be hard to have an organic strategy 100%. So you have to have some section of that in a paid way. Now, that doesn't have to be a lot, but some part of it has to be paid. And when you think of these things, a lot of people think of the organic and paid, and they're separate silos. But in reality, all of this stuff plays, in, plays together as one. So when was the last time, and you, maybe you're an agency, and you, uh, you, you know this is advice for you. Maybe you're running your own ads. But when was the last time you actually sat down and mapped out the route you would like to acquire fans, you'd like to introduce yourself to people, you'd like to introduce your products to people, your services to people, and how they do that? So you may, how do you, you know, some of it may be organic, some of it may be paid. How do you bring them into your site? How do you use website custom audiences? So all of this stuff about, you know, organic reach, that there's still discussion on this, is crazy to me for for two reasons. One is organic reach has been declining and changing for two and a half years. So the fact that this is a discussion is sort of null. Um, The the second thing is, if if you are still trying to push the organic side of it, and you're refusing to spend any dollars, Facebook's really going to be a hard thing to to show, because they are mutually supportive to each other. It's going to be hard to show growth there. And I'm not saying you have to spend a lot of money. But if you spend it in a targeted way, uh, it can be really powerful. You know, people say, "Well, I'm not going to spend money on Facebook. I want to." You know, it used to be so great. I'm and not going to spend money. On it. But thing is, how much? Where else are you spending money? Where else are you spending money right now? And can you try ten dollars? Can you try hundred dollars? To try to to try to uh, yeah talk about exactly. Personal?
0: If if they don't have a marketing budget, they're not a serious business. If if right. if if they're not spending money on anything, if they're just doing all the free stuff only. Yeah, get, get away. Yeah, like you're not going to be a successful business.
1: Right. And I mean, just doing these things separately doesn't make sense. Um, and, and thinking about them separately doesn't make sense. So when there's an article talking about organic reach on its own, that to me is, is, is it, it's discrediting. Because, yeah. you know, and also they're looking at the gaps of pages that are massive. Um, yeah. You know, there's a Absolutely. lot of people that have a lot of fans that don't provide a lot of value. Yeah. You know, you look at somebody like GoPro. How many, what's the organic reach of GoPro? Seriously, I bet it's actually pretty big, but they have like, what, 10 million fans? Right. I bet you their organic reach is actually maybe five to 10%, which is massive. They have interesting content. Because they have interesting content on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. Two things on this, and this is one of those times where I'm afraid I'm going to forget the second one when I get to it, but there needs to be a tool created because I think the biggest issue we have with evaluating you know expectations for organic reach is that there are these issues that maybe you're a page that just started in the last 6 months and that's you're going to get a really good organic reach maybe you're a page that started 6 years ago and you've accumulated like a million fans in that first year your organic organic reaches is going to be terrible i think there needs to be a tool that basically tells you you have this many fans, new fans during the last week, 30 days, six months, year. And this is what your organic reach is when you reach those groups of people. Because then you actually have something to look at. That actually makes sense. Like if, Because I can't compare my organic reach to someone else. If we've been uh, on Facebook and had a, a page, had fans who've been around at widely different amounts of time. So that's the first thing, tool that we need to talk about we need to create. Second is, again, I, I feel like I've, I've talked about this a million times, but we got to stop looking at organic reach. At, uh, I'd like to stop looking at it entirely, but on a post-by-post basis, and it's, it's, I think it's a great example of it. Brands are posting 31% more frequently, so and there's a reason they're doing that. It's not to increase their post-organic reach. Otherwise, that's, that'd be silly. They're, they're trying to reach more people overall. So let's look at it for what it is. How many people are we reaching per day and per week, not per post? And that's my plea to everybody.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and some of the tools that you can have as an advertiser uh, or even as a page admin um, to look at this is, you know, downloading that exportable report and, and, and your insights. And there's metrics upon metrics in there. There's post level report, the page level. And one of the one of them in there is consumptions, and ah. taking that consumption, which is a like, comment, share, click, anything, as a as a percentage of your unique reach, gives you a really interesting a percentage in that week time frame from a page level to start to look at how many people of your fans saw stuff from you, um, and how by, you know based upon how many people are actually online and how many people are your fans. So there's really interesting stuff that if you've never dug in there, I would encourage you to do so that can not, not actually just look at it from an organic truth perspective, but look at it from a like what's truly the reach uh, out of what's actually available to see. So you know, the, uh, it requires a little bit more work, but what will, but the outcome of doing something like this is that it makes people like you and I look better. It makes we want people that are ma- yeah. managing pages and that are agencies, it makes all of us as advertisers look better, folks. I mean, yeah. because it's going to make the organic reach look a lot higher, and it's not making it look higher. It is. It actually, it's showing just real numbers. Um, so putting some context around that's really important.
0: Uh, anyway, so. Good points, man. You got some time for one more thing? Absolutely. Yeah, so we talked about this yesterday, and I thought we had some good discussion, and then no one heard it. So let's talk about it today. Uh, there, there's been a, a controversial blog post floating around talking about a Facebook ads bubble. So if there's a Facebook ads bubble, that means we're all going to pop and we just threw away a whole bunch of money. Andrew, what's going to happen? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the the concept of the article was uh, the, this guy who. Uh, it, it, OK, uh, his name is Morgan Hermann Weitsch, I think. A lingerie startup. He wrote a guest L- post for TechCrunch. Right. R- a
1: Tech lingerie Ranch. startup. He wrote a guest post in TechCrunch saying that um, cost per clicks have been increasing yeah. um, and that the you know, essentially their results aren't as good as they were before. Conver- conversion rate down. Conversion rates down. So as is everything we talked about earlier in this, in this podcast was breaking that down. Okay, what are the things that as a genuine advertiser you see, John? Uh, like as a problem with what he says.
0: Okay, what yeah. Because because what I hate about this stuff is that they don't tell the entire story. They don't answer the questions that I like. What well, I think are the primary reasons for saying there's a bubble, right? So he's like CPC is up 180. percent My response: Who cares? I do not care about CPC. I care about what my CPA is, my my cost per action. It could be cost per website click, cost per conversion. He mentioned conversion rate down. I don't know what that's based off of. Again, it's a rate. It has nothing to do with cost per conversion. Theoretically, if he's even measuring it correctly of a conversion rate, your conversion rate could be down while your cost per conversion is unchanged or could even be down. So my question for him, first of all, is what's your cost per conversion? What's your cost per website click? Are you just playing the short game where all your? I mean, he's also, and again, I'm going to rant here, but he's also a lingerie startup. (laughs) I don't know how you even create ads on Facebook and get approved when it's for lingerie. And uh, and I'm sure he he creates a lot of ads where it's probably very clickable. Uh, Lots of images and lingerie and whatnot, but probably people not buying because it, you know, lingerie, come on. Um, and so I don't know. I just have a lot of questions. I don't know what ads he was creating. I don't know for what purpose. And it's really hard to respond to it.
1: Right. And, and I think it's important to, to look at as well, um, you know, that he's looking at just clicks, which is like, OK, Who cares? Uh, a lot of cheap clicks that come through. And another thing that I think is really fascinating about it uh, is he's he, he's making huge blanket statements. Uh, without a lot of substantiated mm. fact, in the, in the last part of the article, he mentions that there is this bubble and people are leaving in NAS. Yeah. Who? Um, and and I, I guess I I guess I'm not, I'm not knowing that. The question I would ask if I was if I was uh, curious, you know, sitting across from him is, um, you know, one, how did you ad- how have you been adjusting your strategy based on the fact that prices are going up, and yeah. maybe it sounds like maybe there hasn't been a lot of adjustment. Uh, but that would be an interesting question. The other one would be, what types of audiences are you using? Um, and what, what are the varied ways that you're bringing people in and how what's the path to how they're finding out about you? If you're just doing ad to website to buy, that's, that's tough over yeah. time. If you can do that, congratulations to you. But that's hard. So you know, I think those are some of the main parts. And you know, What this all gets to is that being the top dog here, outside, I mean, search engine marketing obviously is still pretty hot as well. But Facebook is growing in popularity, and there's always going to be people out there that aren't, that are looking to kind of make it an enemy and, and say, you know what, it's just not working for us. Uh, and it's light, usually because they haven't adjusted the strategy um, to, to kind of appropriately react to where things are. You know, yeah. to stay on Facebook and to advertise on this platform, you have to stay up on stuff. You have to make sure that you're yeah. reading. That's why the Power Hitters Club is so huge. You have to make sure that you're in, uh, informed of what's going on um, because it does change, but it's extremely powerful if you understand those changes and you have a baseline strategy that wraps those in to make sure that you're kind of going towards the ultimate best place.
0: Yeah, I, we're at risk at of coming off as f- fanboys um, with this kind of stuff. The thing is, it's not that like I, there's some articles that I appreciate where people are are um, criticizing Facebook and I agree with them or maybe I don't, but they make a good argument or whatever. I'm just tired of these articles that have horrible argument and it's contradictory. Because look, you're talking about CPCs going up. Everybody knows that CPCs are going up. That it's been talked about forever, and the reason for that is because of increased competition. So if you're right. saying advertisers are leaving in droves, that makes no sense because the CPCs would not be going up as a result because the competition would be going down. Right. But the, so the issue is, yeah, we know this, CPCs are going up. But what we've been hearing from other reports that are not just uh, this one brand and this lingerie company, it's like all of these companies, what we've been seeing is, the CPCs are going up, but costs per conversion are going down or they're steady or whatever. So that, that's my biggest issue with these types of one-off articles that are just talking about a single brand is that they don't tell the whole story. They only talk about what happened to their brand and without with, – while leaving out a whole bunch of stats that are pretty darn right. important. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, John, uh, I can get the bar tab this time since you got ah. it yesterday. All right, so
1: man. So I'm to just get
0: the bar tab here. Well, why, don't you, why don't you get that? Get that bartender. I got well, it taken care of. Last call. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Andrew, for, for uh, joining me twice in two days, even though no, no one could listen to the uh, what was more than likely a classic episode. Remember oh, when... Yeah. Re-
1: it would have really? been a legendary. Episode. Remember when,
0: when, when Jerry Seinfeld stopped in? That was ridiculous.
1: Remember that down <laughs> in San Diego? That was insane. Well, I'm talking I about just, yesterday you know. too.
0: Like Jerry Seinfeld stopped in. Like all his friends came oh, by. Oh, again yesterday? Yeah yeah, 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 right. Yeah, the whole crew, the whole Seinfeld cast it was, was, was there. It was, it was insane. I'm just sorry <laughs> everybody way. missed it. So, yeah, thanks so much for coming by. And uh, man, well, I, you know, once a month we're gonna be doing this. Hopefully, only one recording next time. We'll be doing this video thing going forward too. We'll see how this goes. But where, right. where, where well, people are people going to find you, Andrew? People can find me at foxwilldigital.com
1: or at Andrew Foxwill uh, and at Foxwell, my wife and business partner on Twitter.
0: Awesome. Thank you, dude. Awesome.
1: You Thanks. bet. We'll talk to you soon. You bet.
0: All right. That was good fun. Good fun. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining me on the podcast. And uh, not a whole lot to say. Um, go to youtube.com slash Loomer. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot on YouTube lately, but like I said, I, you know, if this works, we're going to do more of this going forward in the video format as well. But, uh, man, lots of, lots of good stuff. Um, just keep coming back. I hope you subscribe, rate, and review if you see this, see this bad boy on iTunes. Otherwise, until next time, do awesome things. I'm out.